Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand we might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Warren Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady, we're sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you would like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Today's topic is, should I diversify my company's revenue? And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if this is COVID-driven or not, but it's an interesting topic because I find more companies are asking this question. Certainly I see more being written about this as to diversifying a company's revenue stream. And I think it's important because it offers an alternative path to growth. We normally think of growth as occurring through two paths. One is by increasing sales and activity and what it is that you already do or by making an acquisition. And those are both fine. The, the challenge is that it, by, by simply focusing on increasing your activity and what you already do, that's a lot easier said than done. You know, do you, do you, do you sell harder? Do you work more? Do you make more investments? Is there even room in the market to buy more of what you're selling? And on the other end of the spectrum, there's acquisition, which is expensive, time-consuming, and is fraught with its own risks as well. And and so, you know, diversifying revenue, I, th- I think, is a is a little bit of a halfway house between the two, if you will, where you gain the benefits as if perhaps you made an acquisition, but you're creating you're creating that new revenue stream on your own. And you know, one place I think that we see this in pretty sharp relief is in the restaurant and hospitality industry. In, in those two particular industries, you know, of course, during the coronavirus, their core operations were sharply curtailed or, or frankly, entirely shut down. And those companies, I think, I know, had to seek and find alternative revenue streams in order to survive. It simply wasn't going to work. They simply were not going to survive otherwise. And I think many other companies, whether through survival or, or simply, um, uh, you know, once something is proven, people are going to copy it. I, I think a lot of other companies now, whether it's in accounting or law or retail, whatnot, are also looking for alternative revenue streams, if you will. And so I suspect that a lot of our listeners, if they're not asking this question yet, They will be either as a result of listening to this podcast or they will uh, on their own accord in the next year or so, because I do think that this is the this is the next big trend in business is is diversifying company revenue by adding 
uh, new sources of revenue. And joining us today to help us explore this is uh, David Audrain, who is CEO and partner of Exposition Development Company Incorporated, or Expo Devco. David is CEO and partner, producing trade shows and conferences across North America. Previously, David was president of Clarion Events North America, president of Messy Frankfurt North America, chief operating officer of Convex, which is the producer of the SCMA show, and held senior positions at Advanced Star, Henley Wood, Miller Freeman, and the Texas Restaurant Association. As of January 1st, 2016, Expo Devco became the management company for SISO, the Society of Independent Show Organizers, where David serves as chief executive officer. Over his more than 28-year career in the exhibition industry, David has managed numerous shows across multiple industries, including eight top 200 shows in North America. David is also a strong advocate for the industry, having served as chairman of both CISO and the IAEE and on many other boards and committees. Founded in 2012 by David Audrain and Stephanie Everett, Exposition, Exposition Development Company Incorporated is a show development company designed to produce platform for partnerships with other show organizers and associations to strategically grow existing events as well as launch new events. David, welcome to the program. Hi, Mike. Pleasure to be here. So, David, um, you know, we've, we've had this conversation off air, but of course we're bringing it, bringing it on air, so to speak. Um, what... What was it that prompted you to start considering alternative revenue sources, and about when did that take place? Well, we started our company in January of uh, 2012 and um, had been running several businesses in the industry for, for decades before that. So we uh, we love the exhibition business. Uh, I, uh, I say I've been in it almost 30 years now, and it's a, it's a high-volume, uh, high-margin business when it works well. Uh, but as COVID just showed us for the last year and a half, it doesn't always work well. Um, so we also, though, when we started it, we were not overly heavily capitalized. So we had to be careful how we were u- utilizing our capital as we got it started. And when you start shows uh, in particular, there is a fairly long ramp up period, uh, you know, a year or more in many cases of, uh, of getting a show running before it actually happens. And so um, there's a lot of overhead and staff costs leading into that. So we started at the beginning thinking of ways to minimize our risk. uh, And that meant that not just launching our own shows, but taking on management of other people's shows, other association shows. And what turned into, we even looked at at, uh, providing sales uh, agency services, which we had done for other international shows around the world in the past, as well as uh, now managing a couple of associations. And and so, why consider new revenue streams as opposed to simply doubling down on the existing ones? Why why not go that direction? Well, we we certainly anytime we can launch a new show or expand our show. I mean, uh, uh, any of our existing shows that's certainly optimal, and that's what we try to do. Uh, but you know, if we take a show that is you know creating X revenue right now, and we can um, increase that revenue stream. That's a very high margin business for us, and it's terrific. But it's all your eggs in one basket. You know, if anything happens to that show, as we had to cancel five events last year uh, because of COVID, anything happens to that, then you lose the whole basket. Um, so providing different revenue streams, frankly, enabled us to survive COVID. Again, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't plan for COVID. Nobody could have. But we, we knew that we needed to have different ways to generate revenue that wouldn't put us all at risk all at one time. 
because some things don't work. We've launched conferences and events that, that we've had to cancel, and that can be a very expensive uh, process for us. So as much as anything, it wasn't, and although it was, of course, trying to, to see growth, but it sounds like also, maybe even more importantly, the need to to add additional sources of revenue is also a risk management strategy and a way to build resiliency into the company. It was very much a risk management strategy. It was very much for the, uh, uh, the purpose of providing us with uh, uh, potential different streams of, uh, for cash flow uh, and to minimize some of the risk. I'm going to say, if we launch a show, we're all in. We, we, we are responsible for that entire uh, risk of expense in running that event or conference. If we are running one for somebody else, we have cash flow benefit coming through and we're not at risk of anything happening to that event. So it, it minimizes our risk and it improves our cash flow. So, you know, what, what I'd love to ask you, I, I, you know, I understand that, that uh, diversifying your revenue sources uh, was a decision that was made and started to be implemented before coronavirus. But of course, coronavirus hit. Uh, you could argue it's still here. I can, I call this the trans pandemic period, not post pandemic. But my point is that once, once coronavirus hit, how important was the fact you'd made that decision earlier to ensuring that your company would frankly be able to survive coronavirus? Uh, it was key, to be honest with you. Um, we, we were, you know, we're a small business, 15 employees. Uh, we were scheduled to run 11 events last year, several of which we owned or were partners in some of which we managed for others, uh, you know, more than half we managed for others. We had to cancel uh, all of those, but two and a half. We got through two in the beginning, first quarter, and we were halfway through a third before COVID shut us down. And um, we were also lucky or, or should, you know, somewhat good planning in that we had uh, event cancellation insurance on, on most of our events, or all of our events that we owned. Um, so we had uh, obviously some results from that as well, but we didn't have to lay off any employees. We were able to continue throughout the year. Uh, we obviously were impacted. Uh, obviously, we lost uh, lost revenue and lost uh, profits for the year, uh, but we had sufficient revenue and sufficient uh, resources to be able to maintain our business. and And now we're rolling events out again this year. So you know, I, I, I'm I'm interested. Um... You know, it's it's hard to find positives in something like a global pandemic. Although I, I, some were there, um, and, and I, I kind of wonder. And you tell me if I'm if I'm just way off base. But was it perhaps even a maybe not a blessing in disguise? But at least you were presented maybe perhaps with the opportunity to then redeploy resources within your firm to develop those all those what it had been secondary revenue sources, if you will, had now become primary. And I wonder if because as a result of that, you emerged actually a stronger company. Um, I wish I could say that was the case. Um, okay. we, we, we had that the challenge in our industry in particular was when this all, you know, when we were in lockdown in March of last year, uh, we were all hopeful this would be a few weeks, we'd all be through it and we'd be able uh, so. In our industry in particular, we started just postponing things. So we had shows in April that we postponed to June. We had shows in May that we postponed to July, that sort of thing. And so we, would, we just, so we ended up doing twice as much work, sometimes three times as much work because we kept 
we'd been planning for events for a year. We then, and you know, at some period, whether we were a month out, a week out, uh, you know, I had to cancel one event. We were a week out at the end of March that we'd been planning for a year uh, up in Boston. And uh, uh, we started off by postponing it and then repostponing it uh, and then eventually canceling it. And then we had to cancel it again the beginning of this year. So um, there was an awful lot of work that went into those uh, and took up an awful lot of our staff's time. Uh, and in the end, in most cases, we didn't get anything out of it at all. Uh, so we had to ensure that we utilized our resources appropriately to continue managing the, uh, the clients we had for, uh, where we were managing their events or managing the associations. And in fact, for, since the association we run is actually the association for our industry, we ended up having to do five times as much work, just helping all the rest of our industry through this crisis. That that's fascinating. I mean, and and it, it shows my lack of knowledge of of your industry. It hadn't occurred to me that, in effect, you'd sort of have this rolling, uh, this rolling blackout, if you will, within your industry. That there was a there's a hope that the pandemic would be, would be measured in weeks as opposed to months in its duration, and therefore uh, all your resources were, or many of your resources were in effect occupied by continuing to to reset those events. It wasn't just simply a one cancellation and move on. And, and seems to me that made your job about 10 times harder. It did. It's, you know, the last year and a half has, uh, has not been fun. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, you know, as you ultimately chose, um, a, a number of additional revenue sources or streams that you, you implemented of the, you know, were there others that you considered and decided not to implement and the ones you have were sort of the, the winners of that, that internal evaluation process? And, and if so, among your ideas, how did you select the ones that you ultimately went through with? What, what was the decision process to choose those particular uh, additional revenue sources as opposed to other possibilities? Well, I say in our industry, um, we run trade shows and conferences for the most part. And I say, and I run an association, but uh, for, there's there's some basic legs to our industry. We, you know, when you produce an event, you have to produce content, you have to produce uh, revenue, and you have to produce attendees. So it's all about sales, marketing, and operations uh, on that. For events that we own, we handle everything, uh, and where we have to basically underwrite everything, and we're at risk for everything. If we uh, manage an event for somebody else, for an association or another company, um, then we don't have the financial risk, and we have better cash flow that comes in it. Uh, but we may end up with a higher volume of work, actually having to do things for them and uh, that take longer than if we were just doing them for ourselves. So we have to take that into account as it goes forward. Obviously, also from our own business perspective, when we build an event of our own, we're building equity, we're building value. If we're simply doing work for hire for, for another uh, entity, then there's no intrinsic value that we're building long term. It basically is good cash flow, good revenue. Uh, it you know keeps the lights on, it pays the bills. Um, so... Ideally, we would focus exclusively on our own shows and our own events because we want to build value. But again, risk mitigation, cash flow, doing these things for others. What we looked at was some of the aspects, like, for example, we don't, we've had opportunities to take on just doing sales work for other people. That doesn't interest us as much because it's, uh, it takes an awful lot of time and resources, a lot more risky. And the end result isn't necessarily uh, beneficial to us. So we've turned down some of that work. 
uh, over the years. We looked at doing sales agency work, which we'd done for uh, for Mesa Frankfurt, actually, for years, running that. And there were shows where, uh, again, the the investment for us to do that sales agency work for a show that might be a year away, again, was not good business for us to potentially or possibly end up with revenue a year from now. So we turned that down and stopped doing that work as it went through. Um, so we looked at many aspects. And for the most part, uh, we've really focused on our own events and and management work where we take on a substantial enough role that there's, uh, there's good value to us in being able to uh, generate fee income from it. So it sounds like it sounds like you focused on things that were at least pretty close to the kinds of work that you're already doing. Yes, it very much it's stuff that we we have a good team, we have the resources, we have the knowledge. It makes sense. It, what we haven't tried to do is go into uh, other areas that, frankly, are not areas we have that expertise built up in already. So what what kinds when you are establishing or when you establish the new revenue sources? Were there a lot? Was there a lot of upfront investment required on your part, or were there were they things that were natural extensions, and maybe they didn't require a whole lot of investment? It uh, depended a little bit on on what it involved. For example, if we uh, if we take on uh, managing another show for uh, for a client, as we've done uh, several times, uh, we do have to invest in staff to add on that. You know, we don't we don't sit around with staff uh, with extra capacity. Uh, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for things to do. So, um, so we do have to uh, hire appropriately to support that uh, new event, whether it's one of our own in new launches or if it's a client show that we have to take on. So that that's a commitment and that's a resource that goes forward. And that's, for example, where we had looked at doing the sales agency work. Uh, we had invested in hiring somebody years ago to do that, and we we gave it six months to see how it worked. And it wasn't generating enough revenue to justify continuing. So uh, we we dropped that stream of uh, that business stream that we were looking at for that very reason. Um, so in, in, in making those investments, were there risks involved that, that were concerning to you? What were the downsides in your mind or the potential downsides that would make those and make those uh, the addition of those revenue sources not viable potentially. Well, as the the example I just gave with the, the sales agency is is an easy one because it just didn't generate enough revenue to justify the investment and the time uh, with the staffing levels and so forth to do it. On the flip side, for the events that we do manage uh, successfully for for others, um, there we are. You know, the downside risk is that the amount of work. Uh, is more than we because we have to estimate in, uh, fees. We have to uh, agree in uh, in advance on what those fees are going to be, uh, and in some cases they may be revenue share fees. Uh, in which case we're uh, at risk to some degree of of our own ability to succeed, uh, just like with our own shows. And in those cases, again, it's a matter of we're investing, we're committed. If we have to hire staff and take our own time, my partner and my time to uh, to do uh, to run the event and run the team then obviously we have to make sure that it's going to generate enough revenue to not only cover those costs of, of that staff, but also to provide a profit uh, to make it worthwhile. Uh, we don't need any more hobbies. So um, <laughs> the uh, uh, that's obviously, uh, you know, we know enough about how we run our business and how we run shows and conferences to 
to be able to estimate that time, but we're not uh, we're not perfect, so sometimes that can be off. Um, but for the most part, we we uh, have been successful with it. I really like that that statement. We don't need any more hobbies. Um, of of the of the revenue sources or streams that you've added, as you kind of look back now here as we record this in mid twenty twenty one, have they all been successful? Have they been as successful as you'd hoped? Um, no, for sure they haven't been. Um, you know, over the say the last ten years, we've tried a few things that have not worked. Um, we've had some failures that were. Uh, that were all on us. Uh, you know, we, we made a small acquisition of a conference that didn't pan out for us and we invested a bunch of money in it and that, that didn't work. And that's, and that's an example of, of why we have the diverse revenue streams because being, knowing that we had cash flow coming in and, and secure revenues from fee income or, or these other sources enabled us to take a few, you know, gambles, so to speak, on either making small acquisitions or launching new events where, you know, there was a risk and, um, uh, and some of those risks have not panned out and we've, uh, and we've lost money on those efforts. And so, um, it's, uh, it, you know, but that is if they do work and we do, we, we know, we just wrapped up where, as we record just last night, I wrapped up one small show that we, uh, that we own, uh, in the manufacturing industry. And that's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a, uh, golden goose laying egg yet, but it's a, it's a profitable event and, um, taking, the, the time and risk to invest in that uh, is something we were able to do because we had confidence that we could uh, generate enough revenue from our other sources to be able to pay the staff and cover our costs and hopefully make money each year. Now, that's really interesting. That's, that's an angle of this question I I've candidly had not thought of, which is, you know, not only, not only do additional revenue streams allow you or reduce the risk of the company, but they they actually can put you in a position to take other risks that you otherwise would not have felt comfortable doing. Uh, that's ex- and to be honest with you, that's the primary reason we do it. Um, you know, there's an easy way to reduce our risk, and that's to uh, you know to to lower the the overhead of the cost of the company and have do fewer things with fewer people. But that doesn't enable us to grow. Uh, what we want to do is obviously, like most businesses, we want to grow. And, um, and the best way to do that is to take some risks, uh, launch new shows in our case, in our business, launch new shows or conferences or businesses, um, or invest in others as, as partnerships as we've done as joint ventures. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to have some confidence that we have enough, uh, revenue and income each year to be able to afford those risks because they don't all pan out, uh, far from it. You know, um, it is a risky business. It may not be as risky as the restaurant business, or, but um, it's uh, it's still a risky business. Not all shows succeed. Not all conferences succeed. Uh, and failures can be very expensive, to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm curious, as you add these these new revenue sources, did you have to add staff or were, did you find that you could simply redeploy, particularly during coronavirus, were you able to redeploy your existing staff to to support those additional revenues? It, if, as I said a little bit before, the typically we don't have a lot of spare capacity. Uh, it's not like a factory where you've got a machine that's being used eight hours a day, so use it for ten or twelve. Right. Um, pretty much our staff objective: we start asking them to work, you know, an extra an extra set of hours every night, uh, as most would. 
So we, uh, what we can do is we can reallocate responsibilities so that we can focus people. You know, we've got marketing teams, for example, and operations teams that can, uh, they're, they're experts and they can focus on multiple projects at once. Um, so we can have them multitask across multiple events, multiple conferences and so forth. Uh, but if we take on a new show or we take on an, or we launch a new event, we almost always have to bring on new resources, which obviously is a cash commitment. It's obviously a time commitment for management to train and bring them up to speed. It all, and it expands the requirements of managers to actually have more people to manage. And was there any kind of risk or concern or maybe even an impact that as you added revenue sources that, that, that it might change the culture, the tenor of the company somehow. It, it seems to me like if, as if, 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 if one doesn't handle that exactly properly, it may actually confuse some of the people that are already there as they start to wonder, well, what, are, what business are we really in? And, and, you know, what's my future here? And am I going to be needed? Is this, you know, is, is the company going to switch business models, things of that, of that nature? Was that ever a concern? And if so, how did you address it? We, I don't think it, caused concern because we were very communicative to our team from the beginning. And, and obviously, 10 years ago, we started with no team. Uh, we started from scratch. And as we hired people and brought them on board under the team, we, we were very open with them about our model and our goals and, and how we were planning to, to move forward. Um, so there were very few surprises uh, uh, with our team as we went forward. We were also somewhat lucky in that we had structured uh, our business model from the beginning to be a completely cloud-based infrastructure uh, and home office-based team. So our, our entire team actually is spread out over five states, uh, and they've worked from home since the beginning, uh, which meant that that was the only thing we didn't have to change when COVID hit last year. Uh, so we were already in, in that model uh, going forward. Um, and so it's um, it's been... It, that that side of it has not been an issue. Uh, I say I think our communication with the team has been uh, good from the start. So, may I ask you of, of the revenue sources or streams you've added? Which one has been the most successful, and why do you think it's been the most successful? Um, certainly, the, the the management fees that we generate from uh, managing shows and events and and the associations for for other customers is certainly the majority of our non-internal revenue um, because it's it's our primary focus. And it's been the most valuable to us because it's it's what we do, it's what we know, and it's the expertise we have uh, for our own events that we run. Um, it's just that we're doing it for somebody else. And, uh, and in some cases, it's turned into virtual partnerships, for example, where we, we may not be true equity partners, but we may have revenue share deals in place. We may, uh, we've been running one particular portfolio for many, many years. And, uh, and that's, it's an ongoing partnership effectively with the, with the client. Uh, we're invested in it. We have the expertise. Uh, we deliver the, 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 the complete management of the events. Uh, the client's very happy with us. We're very happy with the results. Uh, and it's an ongoing, uh, long-term relationship. So I'm curious, have the new revenue sources added complexity to your business and made it harder to manage? And if so, how have you, how have you addressed that? It, it does add complexity because, uh, you know, a simple example, if we, if we launch our own an event, um, we make all the decisions internally. We, 
we generate everything, we're responsible for everything, and we just do it. If we are running an event for somebody else, then we have to first make all the decisions of what we think should be done to, or what steps need to be done or the processes that need to be gone through to actually sell the space, market the event, uh, provide the operations, uh, logistics, etc. But we then have to, in most cases, uh, liaise with the client that actually owns the event as to why we think that needs to be done. And they may not agree with us. So there's an awful lot more communication and decision-making time involved uh, than if we were just doing it for ourselves. Um, so we have to factor that in when we uh, are uh, estimating our time, resources, and costs in actually providing those services because uh, the, the time and resources to do it for somebody else are higher than if we were just doing it for ourselves. We're talking with David Audrain of Exposition Development Company Incorporated. And the topic is, should I diversify my company's revenue? Um, have, have the new revenue sources impacted at all how, how you conduct your primary business? The, the biggest challenge we've come across is obviously if we make a commitment to do something for a client, then we're going to live up to that commitment and we're going to do whatever we need to do to make that happen. Um, there have been times where maybe our own events have, have ended up taking, uh, taking a second seat uh, to, uh, to the client's events because you know, we can't tell the client, oh, sorry, we're busy this week. We need to, uh, you know, we're right. busy with another show. It's ours. Uh, whereas we can tell our own team, you know, hey, we've got to get this done before we do uh, do our own event. Um, so we, we have to be very cautious and careful not to uh, affect negatively our own events. Uh, and that's that we pay attention to as we're developing the plan for the client's events, as we're developing, frankly, our proposals for the clients to ensure that we have dedicated resources uh, that are not going to be pulled in two different directions. And I suppose that speaks to the, the, the ongoing complexity or the additional complexity that additional revenue streams add and that, in effect, you're serving you know, two masters, if you will, whereas uh, you'd only, only had to serve one. Um, David, this has been a very good, a, a good conversation. I think, uh, you know, I've learned a lot. I think our listeners have learned a lot. There may be topics that either we didn't cover or that uh, our listeners wish that we would have covered more. Um, how can people, would you be willing to, to take a question from somebody? And if so, what's the best way for somebody to contact you for more information? I'm certainly happy to. Um, the easiest way is to email me, and I'm sure you'll put it uh, put it on the uh, website when you post this. But it's David at expodevco.com is my email address, and uh, I'd be happy to uh, to respond to people. Well, thank you. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank David Audrain so much for sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. If you'd like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsors, Bradyware and Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.